essentially there's certain life events that we don't have any control over okay as much as you are autonomous and you know what you do every single day there will be something there will be something that you won't be in control over for instance the death of a loved one okay let's just take that as an example so you can't prevent people from passing away it's a it's an inevitable consequence of life life is contingent you know it's a cycle of life now as much as you can't control the event what you can control is how you see the event and the person that you become after it right so you can control your perspective to it yes in the initial stages of uh, grieving you go through a variety of things you go through denial you go through a really really low period you go through all the emotions a fluctuation of emotions but then it gets to a point where you're holding on to the pain because letting go of the pain means that you're letting go of this particular person or letting go of this particular experience which is so definitive of you greetings hello good day wherever you are in this world thank you so much for joining me my name is simon and i'm the host of true hope cast the official podcast of true hope canada true hope canada is a mind and body based supplement company that is dedicated first and foremost to promoting brain and body health through non-invasive nutritional means for more information about us you can visit truehopecanada.com Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming best-selling author Ruby Dahl to the show. Now, Ruby is a best-selling author of five books, including one, a self-help book. Ruby's words on healing, self-discovery, love, heartbreak, grief, and moving on have been greatly appreciated by readers from all over the world. Ruby has featured in various online magazines from Harper's Bazaar to the Times of India and has done guest appearances on the BBC Asian Network and BBC Radio 1. Ruby is also a contributing writer to widely read online magazines such as We Are The Tempest and Thought Catalogue and she has graduated with an MA in philosophy. Presently Ruby is working on her debut romance thriller novel. Today though we're going to be discussing how people can use their creativity as a pathway through tough times. Enjoy the show. Okay, Ruby, hi. Welcome to True Hope Cast. Really appreciate you being here with me today. How are you? What is going well? I'm good, Simon. I'm doing very well. I've had a productive day today. How are you doing? Yeah, doing good. I mean, you're in the UK, so you're eight hours ahead of me. So I think it's like 6 p.m. over there or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's 10 past six right now. Yeah. There you go. So I've had breakfast and coffee and, you know, my day's starting. Oh, so, okay, so far, breakfast and coffee. Okay, so I've uh, gone to the gym. I've uh, done a couple of chapters of my self-help book. I've worked on my novel. Um, I've gone for a walk. I've come back, done all my chores and everything, and now I'm sitting with you. Yeah, that's my day so far. Awesome. Well, I've got a lot to aspire to today, then. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I've not set the bar too high. I'm sure you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of self-help work and that's that's good and we're going to talk about a lot of that today it's a really interesting topic that you've got a lot of experience with and a lot of passion for so why don't we just kick things off and let let our, let our audience know who you are and what it is that you do okay so i am a best-selling author of five books i created a social media platform and instagram page around six years ago to heal from a few experiences that i had a few personal experiences um i was in very bad mental health very poor mental health and i started writing to heal and as a result within a year that platform just kind of 
exploded it got very big and that led to me self-publishing five books from then onwards um leading to my my fourth book which is the most most popular and it was the best-selling book I sold 25,000 copies in one year which I self-published so that was a huge deal for me and presently we're sitting at over half a million um of an online community where we talk about all things self-love self-growth mental health healing love relationships everything everything that you could possibly think of wow that's really cool so you you began your social media journey on Instagram and you were using it as a personal avenue Yes. So for me, books had always been a form of escapism. So when I was younger, I lost my mom at a really young age. I was only four when she passed away. So I turned to books and reading at a very, very young age. They were always a form of escapism for me. And I knew that one day I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a novelist specifically. But somehow that journey kind of like spiraled. It went a different way altogether when I went through something really, really difficult. And I just needed to heal from it. I was like, I'm, I'm in a very, very dark, difficult place right now. And the only way that I could feel better is if I write, which is which is what I've always done. So I created a page, but I shared my deepest, darkest fears, secrets, vulnerabilities, everything under a pseudonym. So nobody really knew it was me until a year later, essentially. Wow. And I, I'm just interested to because you say, you know, you started to write to heal and then it got really big, especially in the social media scene. What, why do you think that is like, what was it about what you were doing um, that that grabbed the attention, ears and, and eyes of a lot of different people. What what was the draw there? I feel like I was doing something that we are all so afraid to do, which is share my vulnerabilities. I was being as raw, as honest as I possibly could about everything. You know, I was um, going through a lot of pain mentally, emotionally. Um, I, you know, I felt like I'd you know, delved into like the deepest, darkest mental pit that I could have. I was very, very, um, you know, upset and, and depressed at that point. And I was talking vocally about it. I was being as vocal about it as possible. I was sharing it online. And a lot of the time when you are going through a difficult, you know, phase as, as this one, you feel very alone. You feel like there's no one else who is going through what you're going through. And my platform was a way for people to you know, find a safe space to find out, oh, I'm not alone because this particular girl is going through the same things or she's going through something similar and she's being so open and honest about it. And as a result, my readers found that they could be open and honest about their feelings and their emotions. And then they'd send me like direct messages, emails, just sharing their stories with me, telling me how, you know, today I was feeling very low, but your words made me feel better. Your words made me feel less alone. Your words made me feel like there's hope. And I guess the truth was that they could go somewhere where they could feel understood, where they could feel as like they're part of a community, where they could feel like they're just not alone. And I think that was the biggest, biggest attractive um, part of that of that page. There are so many negatives to social media, but when you explain that, it just makes me really happy that we do have this incredible way of connecting with each other from all walks of life from all across the planet. And we do have the ability to access a lot of the things that make us human, a lot of the things that connect us all. So that really makes me, do, I mean, do you agree in regards to there are some kind of negative aspects of social media, but something like this, using it as this creativity tool to really actually socially connect and have, you know, use your media socially do you, do you feel that that's one of the kind of bigger positives of, of that type of a platform? 
Absolutely. Uh, Simon, I feel like the negatives are because of the way people use social media. So if I'm using social media to show off about my life, to portray all my highlights, to portray all the good points, all the, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a great hair day today and I'm dressed in the best outfit and I'm on a date and, you know, life is just great. And if that's all I'm doing and that's all I'm sharing on social media, of course, it's going to lead to people comparing to feeling bad about themselves, to thinking that they're not achieving much, they're not doing much. But the way that I utilize social media was to show that life is not perfect, that there, you know, there is this person who's going through something. And I try to use social media for the way that I feel like we should all use it, which is to to create a community where People are imperfect, people are healing, people are vulnerable, they have their insecurities and then they can, you know, engage with each other and find connections with each other. And I feel like that is why with social media, it becomes so hard to connect to a lot of people. We connect to people in the sense of, well, I want that life or I want to look like that or I wish I could be like that. But we don't connect in the way of, oh, yeah, you know, this is someone that I can relate to. This is someone that you know, is portraying the body image that I have. This is someone that's portraying the healing journey that I'm on. And that's the issue. I feel like if you use social media in a positive, affirming way, in a way where you can connect with people, it's great. But if you use it in a different way where it's literally just like an album for all your life highlights, then yeah, I feel like it it will it does more to it does more to thwart people's mental health than it does to help them, essentially. Yeah, I've not really had this thought before in regards to how positive social media can be because I, f- I feel like when we're out there being social and with, we're with our communities within within our groups or with just, you know, engaging with strangers, I think there's actually a lot of, um, we put on characters, right? We're not actually like, we don't go out there into the real world and we're not like as vulnerable as we probably could be, but I don't know. There's a, there's a big talking point there, but like with, with the fact of being able to use your phone to to write things down or to engage, there is like um, kind of a safety mask there. So you can actually be a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more open, a little bit more kind of truly honest with yourself. So I, I, I've not really had the thought I, before of like how powerful and positive and, cre- and creative that can be because for so many people, or no, for, every, for, for 99% of people going out into like, you know, the real world and being with different groups of people and just being as vulnerable as you would would be if you were writing a a, a blog post under a secret name it's very very different right absolutely and simon i had the same fears because with being vulnerable means being very like you're sh- with vulnerability comes fear fear of being judged fear of you know someone thinking oh my god like this girl is not in a good place or fear of fear of just generally people talking about you or what they'll think about you or how they'll judge you. And when I realized that I no longer cared what people thought in terms of like the negative connotations of what I was doing, I removed my pseudonym. I was like, uh, I remember blocking approximately like 40 people, 40 people or so from like my community um, for fear that I didn't want them to know that I was going through so much pain because, you know, people are going to talk bad about me. They're going to talk about me and I didn't want to be spoken about. But the moment that I realized that my vulnerability is my strength, me going through this means I'm human. Like there's not a single person in this world who hasn't gone through something, um, who hasn't experienced a little bit of pain. So me experiencing pain just means that I'm a human being. And that's when I realized that I don't need a pseudonym. I don't need to pretend like I'm someone else. And that's when I, you know, 
came out to the to the community and said, yeah, this is me. I'm Ruby Dahl. Um, I've gone through X, Y and Z. And this is why till this day I speak so openly and honest, honestly about my mental health, about, you know, my issues of growing up, about my heartbreak and everything, because I feel like there will always be a fear of what people think about you. But the moment that you take away that fear, the moment that you start seeing your vulnerabilities as things that give you power, that fear disappears as well. And I'm at this point in my life where I have no fear about what people think, essentially. Like, I have no fear. Like, I could put my deepest, darkest secrets online. And if people say, oh, you know, this... Like, if people say to me, oh, you went through this, you suck, then it's a bit... It kind of just tells you what they are as a person, isn't it? Like, if I'm talking about what I've gone through and someone's said you suck as a person, then it's it's really definitive of them as opposed to me. And the moment that you take that fear away from your vulnerabilities and stop doubting the fact that you're worthy regardless of you know whatever you're going through in life that's when you start empowering yourself through sharing all your life's difficulties essentially you said something there that was interesting about how you know using your vulnerabilities as a superpower and how we all experience pain is it necessarily the experiencing the pain that provides us the power i mean i suppose that fuels it but i'm talking about like there has to be a point where we either accept what's happened to us or we start really processing it because there's obviously this this stage of grief or this state this, there's going to be this this passage of time whatever before we actually start being able to like you know recalibrate and rebalance and start like moving on i suppose but we never like especially with something that's really traumatic and you know really life changing it, it takes a lot of time yeah. and it takes a lot of work so like can you talk us talk to us a little bit about the the experiencing of a painful event and then how you can how people can start to use different things to start processing and using that actual event to you know as a positive going through in their life as a big learning experience because I don't I think a lot of people don't have an outlet and they might experience pain and I think some people just put it to the side and forget about it and really just try to suppress it and suppress it and suppress it and eventually it's going to come up somewhere uh, and then also a lot of people kind of secretly love to be the person that got hurt or the person who whose family member passed away. You know, they hold on to that as their identity and it becomes so, so powerful that it is who they are and they can't think of being not completely attached to that thing that happened to them 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And it, and it holds people back hard. What do you think about that? Yeah. I think it really depends on how you treat a particular event. So essentially, there's certain life events that we don't have any control over. Okay, as much as you are autonomous, and you know, what you do every single day, there will be something there will be something that you won't be in control over, for instance, the death of a loved one. Okay, let's just take that as an example. So you can't prevent people from passing away. It's a it's an inevitable consequence of life, life is contingent, you know, it's a cycle of life. Now, as much as you can't control the event, what you can control is how you see the event and the person that you become after it, right? So you can control your perspective to it. Yes, in the initial stages of uh, grieving, you go through a variety of things. You go through denial, you go through a really, really low period, you go through all the emotions, a fluctuation of emotions. But then it gets to a point where you're holding on to the pain because letting go of the pain means that you're letting go of this particular person or letting go of this particular experience, which is so definitive of you. Now, there's different ways of an event defining you. So for me, um, a humongous, a huge defining event for me was my mum's 
passing for when I was four years old. Okay. However, it's so interlinked with my identity because it's what made me the person that I am today. Because I wouldn't be this empowered, I wouldn't be this strong, I wouldn't be able to see life the way that I do. However, that was in my control, right? The way that I became was in my control. If I spent much of my life telling myself, okay, my mum passed away, um, I've got a single dad, we've immigrated to the UK, uh, we are a working class family, I go to a state school, I don't have many opportunities available to me, I'm a South Asian brown girl. There's so many things that are working against me. There are so many things that are working against me, Okay. However, if I now start feeling sorry for myself and tell myself, okay, this is bad in my life, this is bad in my life, this is, I'm just going to give up and I'm not going to wake up the next morning and actually be hopeful that I can make something of myself, then I have let that particular event define me, but in, in a way that thwarts my abilities and my capabilities. Instead, I looked at that event and I said, okay, this has happened to me, what can I take from it? And how can I change my life? And how can I, as a result, empower others and change their lives as a result like the way that I talk about a lot of the pain that I've experienced is by telling people that I got myself out of that cycle so um a short example I was working in children's services for a short while and uh, I was working as part of like child protection conferences we'd hold these child protection conferences for you know children who were in like child in need plans where you know a teacher's noticed something uh the child comes from either you know young parents or there's drugs alcohol there's something there's something involved and often I'd find that the children who were going through this had parents who also had parents that put them through the same thing. So it was like a cycle. So like 16, like mums who got pregnant at 16 actually had mums who got pregnant at 16. And it was just a cycle. They constantly found themselves in the same. They were not breaking themselves out of that cycle because they thought that is all there is to life. That is all, you know, I've got limited opportunities available to me. I don't need to go to university. I don't need to, you know, get a job. Or even if I went to university because I come from this particular social class or part of, you know, where I'm living or whatever, I'm limited. And it's that belief that we need to change about, about our experiences and ourselves. If I found myself you know, being defined by my experiences, I would have accepted the same life that would have been set for my mom or the people before me. You know, most South Asian women who came before me were housewives. They got married very young. And you have to take yourself out of that story. You have to take yourself out of that cycle, but also use that particular event to define you in an empowering way, not in a limited way. I feel like a lot of the time when you go through pain, you hold on to it but you hold on to it in a way that cripples you. You hold on to it as a as a shackle around your ankles as opposed to, you know, a crown on top of your head, essentially. You have to take the shackle off and you have to say, okay, this is what I've experienced. What can I do with it? Like, these are the tools. Now, what can I make of my life using these particular tools? And I think that's the most important thing. You can let an experience define you, but you have to let it experience, it, the experience define you in a positive way, in an empowering way, as opposed to a way that thwarts your happiness going forward. That's how I see it. Why do you think that so many people, like for a long period of time, choose the shackles over the crown? Because it's comfortable, because it's familiar, because sometimes we think when you, like say it's been a heartbreak or you've lost a friend or you've lost a job, it gets to a point where the only thing that reminds you of them is the heartbreak, where the only thing that you remember when you think of them is the pain now if you suddenly get rid of the pain you're getting rid of this part of your life and how i see it is that every single person that we meet in our lives we give them give them a part of us so say that i've like got this 
this puzzle of my life and I've given this missing puzzle to this person and in return that person has given me their piece and I've attached it to my puzzle of life now when this person has gone not only have they taken my piece with them but they've also taken the piece that they gave me so what I'm grieving when they're gone is not them but myself I'm grieving a part of myself and the only way that I can hold on to a part of that is by holding on to the pain but the moment that you start telling yourself a different story the moment that you start saying okay, it's not just the pain that will remind me of them, it's the good memories, it's the positives, there were a chapter in my life, that chapter's never going to go anywhere, even if I forget them, that's when you start to let go of the pain, that's when you start to learn to live with the pain and move forward with it, as opposed to let it prevent you from moving on. And for you, with your experience in regards to, and obviously it happened to you at such a young age, you know, you're, you're a different person when you're four years old, you've, you know, you've obviously got comprehend things in very different ways. But what was it? For, and you, you went into reading and you obviously have this massive creative side of, of you with the with the writing as well. What was it that um, that allowed you to find that, that tool to start expressing yourself in a particular way? Because, I mean, have you always just been in, into writing and into reading? Or was there something that kind of happened or was there someone or is there a book or was there something that inspired you to start using it to start you know really diving into into you because you're talking about a lot of these identities that we have with with tragedy and trauma um all these stereotypes that that exist within our cultures there's a lot of like external factors predicting who we are supposed to be as individuals but when you start using something like writing to really go in depth and putting your thoughts and your feelings down on paper that's significant internal self-love self-work and I feel that that's one big step of the process of, of, of stopping so many external things defining people so what was it what was there a particular factor for you that really kind of like set you on your way to you know writing five books and being so so accomplished in this in this in this area Essentially, um, going back to the initial initial part of your question was the books, I always found a way to escape in stories. So like I used to read stories by Jacqueline Wilson and Kathy Cassidy, Karen McCombie, like these kids books, these kids stories growing up, because I was so unhappy with my reality. I was, say, eight, nine years old. And my dad, um, after my mum my passed away and stuff, my dad had resorted to medicating through alcohol. So he had literally become an a heavy alcoholic, uh, an addict, and I had like various social workers. So I spent the majority of my childhood going from social worker to social worker, moving from school to school, going from council house to council house, and not having any sense of control over my life at that point made me want to escape the reality. And the only way that I could do it was through reading books. I my dad used to like hold markets. He used to have a stall in markets on the weekends. So he was a full-time parent on the weekends. He'd go work like um, in the local markets and uh, sell stereos, car stereos and stuff. And I came across this book, book stall of books, secondhand books in this market when I was 10 years old. Uh, that's the first time I picked up a book. That's the first time that I saw a story. And the moment that I started reading, I just felt so at, at ease. I thought, oh, like I can just escape from what I'm experiencing for, for a really, really long time. And then the more that I like escaped into books, the more my love for books grew. And then I came across, you know, self-help books. I came across the kind of books where I was healing from all these things. And I, I wanted to know why I was feeling in this way, why I was in pain. 
And I read these books and I read like all these online quotes because when I started my Instagram page, Insta poetry was like really, it was a new thing. There were so many new Insta poets who would share quotes and stuff. And I'd read all these quotes and I'd be like, this person knows exactly how I'm feeling. And then I just started journaling. I just started writing my thoughts down on paper. I just started, you know, every day I'd wake up and I'd just be like, okay, how am I feeling? I'd write my thoughts down. I'd write it like on my phone whenever I was, you know, on the tube on the way to uni, anything of that sort. And that's how I started just expressing myself. Because like the only way that I could make sense of what I was and who I was was through writing and expressing it. It could be just speaking to someone. It could be just having a conversation with my friend, but your friends are not there with you all the time. Um, So the only person that's there with me is me and my thoughts. And that's when I just resorted to writing. I just resorted to expressing and putting everything down on paper. And then when I went through my really difficult experience six years ago, and I was essentially going through a really, really difficult heartbreak. And I just felt so claustrophobic within myself like I just felt like there was no escape and then I went back to what I always had done which was write and I said okay let me just write down how I'm feeling it started with blogs so like I created an online blog and I just write on the blog and I just share and then I was like okay let me just create like an Instagram page to to advertise the blog and then I'd like post a blog and then I put the photo of the blog on my Instagram page and then I was like I can actually I can actually write shorter pieces as well. And then it literally went from the blog to the Instagram to the point where me just sharing three liners and someone would comment and be like, oh, this is exactly what I wanted to hear today. And I'd be like, I'm not I'm not putting any hard work into this other than I'm writing my deepest, darkest fears on paper. So if this is if this is something that someone's able to relate to, then I'm doing something really great. And that's what led to me to realize that like my dream has always been to be a novelist and write like young adult fiction books but that's when I realized that I can have that dream like I can have that goal of being a fiction author one day but then I can also have this purpose which helps other people through my writing which helps other people through my words and it means that not only essentially what I'm doing is I'm, I'm healing and I'm writing to help myself heal but that writing is helping someone else heal as well and that's when I just realized I was like yeah I was like you know let me just let me just write for myself and for other people and see see where it takes me and it it brought me here brought me this far essentially well that's amazing thank you for sharing that i think that's really really powerful and yeah that's certainly made me think about a lot of different things and can you tell us a little bit about your self-help book specifically so you've you've got five books but i think is it called dear self yeah so dear self is actually it's a bite-sized self-help book what that means is um it's a very niche genre uh so there's a narrative there is a narrative as as you would have in a self-help book but then there's also pieces of prose which are like you know the smaller essays that i share on my instagram page so it's like divided by prose so essentially you'd have a chapter on say self-love uh and self-worth what what does it mean to love yourself and then i'd write a chapter on self-love but then that would be followed by like various pieces individual pieces that stand alone on self-love that have been like loved and adored by my uh, readers online and then I'd, I'd put that in the book as well so it's like a yeah essentially it's a bite-sized self-help book and it's a book that I've been extremely vulnerable in I've um, spoken about my journey of how I you know learned to love myself spoken about my heartbreak I've spoken about friendship attachment loneliness I've spoken about mental health journeys grief um, a variety of things in this particular book and it's a book which not only is it there to help people who are on various healing journeys, but it's not it's not defined by just one thing. It's not like a book about heartbreak or a book about finding yourself. It's a book about everything. It's a book about 
generally the various different healing journeys that we're on in our lives like I always say that we're not on one healing journey we're on a succession of different healing journeys you could be healing from your heartbreak you could be healing from your first failure you could be healing from losing your job you could be healing from the loss of you know a grandparent and all these healing journeys happen side by side and in some of these healing journeys you reach a lighter better place sooner than the other ones because the other ones are a lot more impactful and I guess Dear Self is a, is a book about healing journeys in particular um and yeah that's the best way to explain it would be like it's a self-help book for people who don't really like hard to digest self-help books essentially if um if somebody believes that they're not you know amazing at writing do you think people can still use it as as a creative outlet to kind of to kind of get things going? So I feel like a huge part of writing as a, as a journal or for whatever it might be, um, actually getting your thoughts down onto a bit of paper and reflecting on them and kind of reading them back back to yourself and having it, you know, it's kind of taking it from the inside and putting it into the outside world a little bit. How you know if if some somebody doesn't think that they're really good at writing, do you think that they could utilize this as well and get some benefit? Oh, absolutely. Writing is a, a form of expression, which I think is so, so powerful. Um, you know, especially these days, like journaling is such, it's so impactful. It's something that's spoken about so much, just getting your thoughts down on paper every day. It could just be on your tablet. It could be on your phone. It could be anywhere. Just writing down how you're feeling. Not only does often it unclog your thoughts, but it also shows you exactly what you're feeling and having something down on paper and being able to look back at it and read it at a later date you could come back and you could look at it and you could be like oh that's how I was feeling I feel a lot better now or you know I have a solution for this particular thought or feeling we're just being able to express it and writing is beautiful in that way it's just um I heavily heavily recommend journaling uh I know that a lot of people do intense journaling so they wake up in the morning and they do like three four pages of journaling I can't do that unfortunately I've got really bad handwriting so usually what I do is in the evenings um when I come back home I've got my diary and I literally just journal my day I just write how I was feeling today um if there's anything significant that happened I write that down and what it does is it kind of it unclogs unclogs my mind for the night so everything that I'm feeling and I'm thinking is now out on paper and I feel like I've put it to this external outlet now and I no longer have it in my brain so then I can be peaceful and just go to sleep very peacefully and I feel like that's what writing usually does it it frees your mind from the thoughts that either you don't want to think about or you're not able to comprehend or are tangled together it just kind of untangles them and I feel like it's it's great for anyone who wants to make sense of how they're feeling essentially yeah, I think that um, the massive difference with actually sitting down and being, you know, quite conscious of doing this activity and writing your thoughts down or your feelings down as a beginning stage of maybe journaling. The big difference between that and then just like walking around and thinking those thinking those thoughts and feeling those feelings is that we, we're not distracted. We're, we're actually putting some conscious effort to, to do this activity because there will be there'll be times during my day for sure where I am feeling a certain way or I'm you know a, a certain emotion is coming up for me but because I'm doing something my mind will be like no you haven't got time for that so like move on get get on with it and then it just like just kind of goes out the window like I do that when I've like when I when I work out or I'm like played football or something I'm, I'm my body's in like physical pain my mind will talk myself yeah. out of giving that pain some attention which is kind of ridiculous. And then like I was lying in bed last night with my, with my son going to sleep. And then my like left foot 
that I smashed a couple of days ago <laughs> starts talking to oh, starts God. talking to me like big time like you know that you've got a lot of pain here so I, you probably should have put some attention on me earlier in the day but here it is but and I just find the whole idea of being able to sit down and be present and actually write things down and, and being able to process them rather than the automatic habitual boxes that in our minds like start firing and just trying to get us to just carry on with our own habitual ways rather than just like stopping and taking taking some time for ourselves and I I, I notice it hugely my wife is a big writer she loves to write things down and she is the best version of herself when she is practicing that she's she's completely she's amazing anyway but when she does that she's fueled and it actually she's got this this creative fire that comes with just actually doing it even if it's a five ten minutes a day <clears throat> writing down on paper or on her phone or whatever it might be so i see it within many different people in my life who use it as a very very positive thing and without question it can do marvelous things for probably everybody as long as you can kind of like write or get things down then it, it, it's a it's a really positive thing how do you recommend people kind of like get starting with that like it's something something that they've never really done before sure they've heard of journaling and they you know might have done that when they, they were younger or something as a exercise with school but like how would you recommend actually like starting to get it done um so firstly Simon I completely agree I feel like writing is is beautiful I tell everyone this I say writing saved my life because if I didn't have writing at the point where I was at the lowest um I probably wouldn't be here today. So definitely. Uh, but also I do acknowledge that it's not everyone's cup of tea in the sense of like, I, like I'm great in typing, but even when it comes to writing things down, like I get very tired very quickly. So um, essentially these days there's a lot of different outlets. So you have like, you can, if someone is unhappy to just sit down, get a piece of paper and write on the paper, you actually get different types of journals these days and they're really good. So these are like journals with like quotes and stuff. And every day you have like, you have um, something that will say, okay, what are you grateful for today? And it's got pointers. So it kind of encourages you to write instead of you having to think for yourself too much so if someone wants to start out in the beginning and they're not very comfortable in writing in that sense then I would definitely say get a journal that um, acts as a tool for you to be able to start uh, journaling and manifesting um, in another way I'd say to be honest with you whenever you have a thought if you can just type it on your phone I think that's the best way to start that's the best way to start just open up your notes on your phone whenever you get a thought and say you're in the office or you're in the middle of something, not driving or anything, just stop, write it down so that you can refer to it later. Because I feel like a lot of the time what happens is we have thousands of thoughts every day. I have so many thoughts that, um, for instance, I'm in my car and my phone's like on the chair. Um, and the moment that I get into my, like start driving, I'm like, oh man, I need a phone holder. I need a phone holder. And I tell myself, remember, remember, you need a phone holder. And then I go driving and I get back home. And then by the end of the day, I don't remember. And I'm like, what did you, what did you, what were you thinking, Ruby Ellie? What did you need? What did you, and I just don't remember. So if that particular point, I just wrote it down, it would have been so much better. And I have this, this for everything. So I have lists, I have lists. So when I was initially dating my partner, when he'd say something to me that triggered me, or when he'd say something that I saw as a red signal, I'd write it down straight away. Okay. Write it down because I didn't want to forget it. I didn't want to forget it because then later on, when I'd see him in person, I'd sit down. And then I'd open up my notes and I'd be like, okay, so on this day you said X, Y, and Z. And I just wanted to let you know this is how it made me feel. What were your intentions? Like what what were you and for me, 
it's so important to have done that. It's so important right now in having the relationship that we do. Because had I not done that, these would have always been these little red signals and flags in my mind that would have built up to the point where maybe if I had not gotten the clarification or if I had not reached that point that I was with him in eventually, they would have resulted me in subconsciously thinking that I'm in in a wrong place. Like, I think that's the case with anything, like with a job, with um, a degree that you're doing, with a with a company that you're trying to start up. You have these little thoughts in your day, like these dark thoughts where either you're questioning what you're doing or something affects you or something someone said hurts you, just write it down, get it out of your system so that when you go back to it at the end of the day, you're able to refer back to it and say, okay, now I'm in a clearer place. I'm, I can, I can look at this and I can kind of tell myself and reflect on, on how it made me feel. Do I still need to deal with it or am I okay now? Like, do I not need to deal with it? And I feel like that's the most important thing. I feel like you need to get your thoughts down, written, whenever whenever you feel those thoughts, and then refer to them either at the end of the day or the next time you're doing that particular event or you're seeing that particular person or whatever, because you don't have a thought for no reason, right? You have a thought for a particular reason. And it's very good to deal with that thought when you have it. And often we can't because we're in the middle of something, we're driving, we're cycling, we're working. But having that thought written down and then being able to refer to it later is, is very good. I mean, most of my deepest, darkest thoughts, you know, issues, everything, they're all online. So whenever I feel a certain way, I'm like, okay, let me go back to my Instagram page and like read the piece that I was feeling a certain way. And then, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is, but I feel like it's just good to have that. It, it unclogs your mind and you're also able to deal with it properly later. Yeah. I love that, um, exercise of writing things down for like a trick, things that a partner might say or yeah. do that would trigger you how would you recommend somebody approach that to their partner after they've written that down because I think that's a really really powerful tool but I think it can also like if it's not done in the right way it could cause even more aggravation so is there yeah. is there a particular way that you would recommend them um, bringing that piece to the table uh bring it when you are on good terms I'd say so um don't bring it up when you're in the middle of an argument. Uh, the way that I see it is, um, so initially when we were dating and stuff, um, obviously when you're dating, when you're getting to know someone, it's it's very difficult. You don't know them very well. You, you're still in thin waters. You're still in like shallow waters. You don't really know where it's going to go. So there were, uh, there were many things that, um, that, one of the things that really I struggled with in regards to my partner, I really, really struggled with. I've never come across it before in my entire life was his level of honesty. He was very, very honest, okay? He was, like, brutally honest. So, like, on a day, like, because I'm, you know, as a woman, I want to be complimented, I want to be affirmed all the time, but he was brutally <laughs> honest about everything. Like, um, if I, if I did something and I said, oh, my God, like, I just had an argument with my friend and she did this, instead of affirming me, instead of being like, oh, you're absolutely right, girl, he'd be like, yeah, but... And then he'd take her side. And I'd be like, why why is he taking her side? Like, I'm I'm his I'm his partner and he's seeing me. Anyway, so that was one of the things that I really struggled with, the brutal honesty. So I'd write down, you know, if he was honest and it hurt me. So like if I don't know, I was wearing a dress or something, and you know, he said, Oh, I like this dress, but I like the other one more. Like this is this is okay. I'd write it down. And then um if it was something else, I don't know, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but like an offensive joke or uh something that they said about 
anything in relation to like your insecurities or something like that, write it down. Um, or if we're in an argument and he said something that's really, really triggered me, that's really hurt me, write it down. And then the argument's over. We're in a good place now. Maybe a week has passed. We're on a nice date. And then I just be like, oh, you know, we're having a really good time right now. There's just some things I wanted to discuss with you. Like there's just certain ways I've been feeling. Um, and in the argument that we had the other day, you said a few things to me that really hurt me. So I just wanted to know what you meant by them. And then out comes the phone. And I read off um, every point. And then he'd just provide clarification. And the thing was, because we would be in a good place, we would be in a in a soft, kind place. We are on a lovely day. Like, I know that a lot of, a lot of the times we struggle with bringing up these difficult topics when we're in a good place because we're like, oh, I don't want to suddenly taint this good place that I'm in with my partner. But it's very important to discuss it when you aren't in a good place because then they're not angry with you. You're not angry with them. You're both yeah. looking at each other with these dewy, loved up eyes. And you're just so in love so that when they do bring up, okay, this, 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 you're able to kind of reflect on how you were feeling at the time, why you were so angry, why you said that, to then look at this person that you love and tell them, oh, no, I didn't mean it in that way. Or I did mean it in that way, but I meant it in that way because you said X, Y, and Z. So that's one thing that I'd say. I'd say that, you know, make a note of it. Don't mention it straight away in the argument that you're having. Um, if you're having an argument about, say, socks, and suddenly they've mentioned the fact that you left your towel, you know, on the bed, don't mention the towel. Mention the towel later. Focus on the socks. And then once your argument's over about the socks, a week later, you're like, oh, by the way, you know what you said about the towel? Like, just mention it when you're in a good place, essentially. So, yeah, I'd say that mm -hmm. um, how I do it these days is... Um, when especially like with engagement engaged life and stuff and planning a wedding it's just so stressful that we're like we're all we're in a good place but there was a point where we're literally at each other's throat literally like you know arguing about everything function venue everything that you could possibly think of um so then after all of that was over i said let's go on a date and we went on a date and i was like okay these are my expectations going forward and i just set down my expectations for him and i was like look this is what happened here this wasn't great this this is and it's just helpful overall to discuss these things when you both have a clearer head. If you are doing it in the middle of an argument, you're probably not going to get the result that you want out of it. Um, so, yeah, so I'd just say discuss it on a date, face to face, when you're in a good place. Yeah. Good advice. Yeah, I think yeah. that... Um... A big, a big part of like of like you know an adult relationship is being open to being wrong. Yeah. Definitely being open to growing and you know doing self work and growing as a as a as a couple. And you can't really do that unless you get called out on some stuff. And obviously, yeah. when the emotions are high, it's just like the worst worst point to bring anything uh, agitating up. So obviously, when th the emotions are are calm and it's a lot of um clarity you're in a good place and you know you're both kind of on the same page that's without question makes a lot more sense to be able to put something on the table that is going might, that might be a little bit provoking but it's so much easier to respond to those things rather than react to them in the emotional high frequency high energy moment so and yeah without question like that's you have to be a willing to do that to grow as an individual and to grow as a partner because you obviously you know you're not you're not in you're you're not in the life you're not in your life on your own anymore if you're in that type of relationship so i think that that's very very good advice i really appreciate that yeah
I thought that was great, Simon, the way that you said it. Sorry, the way that you said it, you were like, if you bring it up later on, instead of reacting, they will respond. And I think that's, I think that's the key to it. Uh, you've, you've summarized it really well. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much. Um, <laughs> on your YouTube channel, I've been through a few, a few of your videos and you talk about love a lot, but you were talking about your <laughs> Instagram as well as like a, like kind of like a mini blog. Do you have different yeah. social media channels for kind of different things, different focuses? Yeah. So, um, my essentially my my instagram is a mixture of everything so it's like love self-love heartbreak relationships friendship uh moving on letting go self-love self-worth uh mental health and so on and then because instagram literally it limits you with in the sense of like the, the amount that you can really share in terms of the words and this was before reels so i created the youtube before reels came out reels are like recent isn't it it's like the last six months or so so youtube's uh i've had this channel for like a year and a half now and um i decided to create the youtube channel because i wanted to talk about certain topics in a lot more detail so my recent videos are a lot more like, like a heartbreak ones i do love but i've got productivity on there i've got self-care on there i've got self-worth on there i've got a variety of things on there actually um and in terms of what i share on youtube it really depends on what works so on youtube my audience is a lot more oriented towards love and towards you know relationships instagram is a mixture of everything and then i've got tiktok as well and tiktok is basically an extension of the instagram and i just post um whatever i share on my instagram on my tiktok and then i've got a blog and a monthly newsletter so in my blog it's the same thing it's like life advice uh general how to um it's about self-worth and healing journeys and so on and then I've got books, which I, you know, write a lot about uh, self-love and self-worth and so on. And then I'm working on my self-help book right now, which is specifically about self-love. So it's, there's no relationships. Well, there is relationships in relation to self-love, but it's literally like a book about healing and self-love. So um, the way that I usually do it, Simon, is it just depends on what my audience of that particular platform really enjoys. So my YouTube audience at the moment enjoys when I give them advice on like relationships and dating and one-sided love and heartbreak and then my audience on instagram is just a mixture of everything essentially so yeah i just kind of you know create videos according to how i'm the responses i get from them yeah cool and what's the what's the best place for people to connect with you website wise if they want to you know check out your books and get connected with all your social media platforms so the main place to go would be my website, which is uh, rubydahl.com. So R-U-B-Y-D-H-A-L.com. That's got my Instagram on there. It's got my Facebook. It's got my TikTok. It's got my YouTube. And it's got my blog. Everything is one place. But uh, essentially, if they were just to like Google me, if they were to type Ruby Dahl, uh on Google, the, my Instagram would come up, as well as like all my other social medias as well. So yeah, I guess the best place would be to just type my name on Google. Um, I'm on Instagram as well. And then on Instagram, the username that I have for all the platforms is essentially the same. So it's r.dalwriter on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I'll make sure that all of those links are in the show notes so people can come and check out your amazing stuff. But I really appreciate you coming on to talk, um, talk about what well, we spoke about so many different things, but I really appreciate yeah. your insight and uh, your time today, Ruby. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Simon. I really appreciate it. And I had a great talk with you. So yeah, thank you. 
Wonderful. Well, that is it for this week with True Hope Cast. Thank you so much for listening, watching everybody. Really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't yet. If you are listening on iTunes, leave a little review. Takes a minute. Very, very helpful. But that's it for this week. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.